Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Natural Running Network. We are brought to you by Mio, makers of the world's first strapless heart rate monitor sports watches, and MedHab, makers of RPM Squared, an innovative system of gait analysis that slips right into your running shoes. My name is Richard Diaz. I am your host. Are you a runner? Do you love to get out and challenge yourself? Running your first marathon or maybe caught the bug of obstacle racing? Well, sit tight because this is a show you just don't want to miss. I've been talking about this for quite a long time. And bits and pieces of folk have been coming back to me and asking me, well, what, do you, what is this all about, Richard? But let me just tell you, and as it says on the header of this episode, the next big thing, the next big thing in training whether it be you're trying to improve your 100-yard dash, you're trying to win an Ironman, or you're going to run 100 miles across Hill and Dale, opposed to simply worrying about what your heart rate is relative to the work you do, you need information that's going to provide you knowledge that's necessary to understand what you need to do to tweak the way you're moving and find out how effectively and how efficiently you're moving through space. And I have with me today, I begged him to do it with me, Johnny Ross. Johnny Ross is the founder of MedHab, and they are the makers of a new product on the market called RPM Square. And in essence, and I've talked about this before, and of course they're a sponsor, so you hear it all the time, but the essence of all this is they created insoles that provide you with intelligent feedback of the way you're making contact with the earth as you move. And incidentally, these insoles work just as readily in a cycling shoe. So what we're talking about here is feedback from your contact with your gait, the way you're moving through space across the ground as a runner, and what happens while you're pedaling a bike. And when I say what happens, I'm talking about a whole host of very precise information in respect to ground contact, where your foot is making contact with the ground, how frequently it's making contact with the ground. And now they're talking about force production, the directional force, how much power are you exerting into the ground to propel yourself forward as opposed to simply hopping up and down like a pogo stick. Johnny Ross Glad to have you on the show. Say hello to my peoples. Richard, thanks for having me. This is very exciting. I appreciate it, and I look forward to talking to you and, and all of your fans. Cool. So, Johnny, I've already kind of busted this out, but I need you to fill in the blanks for me. So you know me, and you know we've pissed people off in restaurants together. So, <laughs> so we, we know each other, and you know what I'm about. I spend my day-to-day working with people that are constantly frustrated with injuries that occur from improper running gait. They're heel striking, they're overstriding, they're making all sorts of problems for themselves. 
and they are frustrated to all get out, and they come to see me from all points of the globe simply because they are having a hard time finding someone that can help them to get past some of these problems. Certainly, they go to the doctor, and the doctor talks about, well, you got some inflammation in the knee. We're going to do this, that, and the other thing. We're going to get you to physical therapy. And they get through the problem, and then they go right back out there in the world and create the problem once again. Mm-hmm. So the reason I get excited about this product is because it allows you to get feedback, instantaneous feedback in respect to what you're doing. Because perceptively, most people can't make the appropriate decisions about the way they're moving because they think they're doing the right thing. Their perception is they are actually doing the right thing, where, in fact, your device is like the come-to-Jesus meeting. It kicks back the information and says, no, dude, this is, in fact, where you're making contact with the ground. This is the amount of force you're throwing into the ground. This is how much hang time you're creating before you hit the ground. Talk to me about, give me, just help me with this, man. Give me a broad stroke of what these devices will provide for a runner. Let's start with them first. Okay. Well, Richard, you know, as you know, RPM Square actually was developed from from uh, healthcare technology, from a, a knee surgery that I had, right? And I, I saw this problem here where, you know, there, there was really the need for this type of feedback to help a patient with diabetic foot neuropathy or, or some type of a, a physical therapy post-surgery. And as I was going through this process, more and more people kept saying, well, hey, if you can do that, could you, could you possibly make this work for the runner? And I started doing research, and what I found really shocked me that about 7 out of 10 endurance athletes is getting hurt each year. And it, and it really opened my eyes to a, a potential opportunity here uh, and an area where we could help. And so what we did is we took some of, the, some of the information, some of the technology from the healthcare side of things with the sensors, the accelerometry, the whole wireless feedback system, and, and we, we put it out, we put it out there and we asked people like Jim Vance, you know, for assistance, the USOC, Michael Johnson, the Olympic legends, you know, there's been many, many people, Dotsie Bosch, who has helped us and clearly try to, uh, in order to help us identify what we need to make, deliver to make this thing work, right? So what it is, I mean, it's the simplest form. It's a pair of inserts. You know, you slip them in your shoes. It's smart device driven. It's AMP plus. Uh, uh, compatible, it's dot fit compatible, and in the running world, what it does, I mean, it, it's actually the, I call it the, the world's first true running power meter because it measures the force output of your feet, and it gives you the power bilaterally and collectively along with your cadence. Um, there's a mode where you could do uh, actual gait analysis where we show step time, ground contact time, and flight time, and we do this in milliseconds, one thousand times a second. We're taking a picture. Uh, you know, we do the same thing on the bike, you know, so we can actually see around the crank as you're generating power, you know, exactly, uh, you know, what legs are doing at each position around the clock. So we try to get as granular as possible to give the athlete and the coach the data they need to correct, you know, to form their form actually to uh, not only mitigate injury, but to achieve higher performance. Okay, so full disclosure. Uh, a moment ago, we had a little trouble with our Skype connection, and while I was wrestling with that and rebooting my computer so we can get back on the line and do this call, I was actually going through and reviewing a video of a runner in Texas who I work with. Uh-huh. He sent me, he sends me videos to analyze his gait. And so what I need to do when he sends me these videos is I'll push it into my analysis software, I'll break it down into a stride-for-stride stride frequency, and 
from that, I can give him a sense visually where he's making contact. So mm-hmm. just think of the minutiae that we're having to go through mm-hmm. for him to get an analysis of the way he's moving. He's got to t- have somebody take a video of him in three different planes of motion, send the videos to me, I push it into some software, I'll do some jiggling around to get it you know, so he can see what I see, and then we share some common uh, information in respect to what corrections we need to take on in order to, to get this done. So where we're going, and I keep saying the next big thing, is you put these insoles in, and you go out and run. And you could either look at the information as it's happening on the fly through some ANT device like you suggested, or you can gather the information in history and then download it to your device after the effort, and you could see what transpired. So you're going to get a chance to see where, whether, in fact, your heel's striking. Let's, let's just break it down to the simple nuts and bolts. If mm-hmm. you're landing on your heel, if you're overstriding, if you've got your cadence down to some ridiculously slow frequency, you're down to 160 strides per minute, for example, you're just putting all this work into your body that mm-hmm. sometimes, it, collectively, it'll just take you out. And if you can identify the problems up front, you can get to work on correcting these problems right away. So, in essence, you could put me out of business, right? <laughs> well, no, actually, that's actually no. I mean, because I, I think there there are a certain amount of athletes out there, Richard, that might be able to look at this and 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 understand what they might need to do uh, to augment their training and correct mechanics. But but really, RPM Square is built to support the coaching aspect of it. You know, so this same guy that's in Texas, you know, could send you data as he does, or he could use RPM Square uh, as well and send you, you know, information straight from screenshots from the device through an interface that we have, or like I said, you know, shoot it up to, to Training Peaks or Strava or what have you, and you can have that data, but you can look at that then as a coach and say, okay, I can see his his, his step time, ground contact time, flight time is X at this point and it's changing at this point in time in the race, or you can look at his, his ground, con- his ground what we call sequential force strike, you know, is he heel, mid, or forefoot striking, and where that might change in the race. And as you know, I'm not a coach. I'm not gonna, about to sit there and say what, you know, how, how, to, how to use that data, but experts like yourselves and all these coaches that are out there could look at that and say, oh, I see where the breakdown is occurring. We need to start doing this in, you know, to augment what's going on to fix that mechanical flaw to hopefully mitigate that injury and, and achieve higher performance. Right. Well, and the other thing that I think is really important, and I never even talked to you about this, incidentally, and I'm going to share it with you now. One of the components of my training recommendation is a thing that I call motor skill development. Mm-hmm. And, and I refer to this this act, so this training act, where we are trying to identify what I refer to as a mechanical threshold. So... To give you an idea of what I'm talking about, if you were to take off running and work yourself up to your perceptive peak velocity, in other words, you're moving through space as quickly as you can till you achieve peak velocity with good form. So in other words, anything beyond that starts to cause trouble for you. You start to overstride. Mm -hmm. Your cadence is having to be uh, increased in order to keep up or create more speed. So there's this basic breakdown in your, your mechanical ability. So I refer to it as a mechanical threshold. And mm-hmm. uh, these assaults at speed I refer to as motor skill development drills. Now, the problem that I experienced in the past 
is that the only way to really gather this metric is either perceptively or by looking at heart rate response. And as you know, heart rate response is too late. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to stop right here and say this. I've always been a strong advocate of heart rate training. I still am, and I always will be, because that feedback is representation of how your body's responding to the work you're doing. It's mm-hmm. one thing to create force, but it doesn't tell you how well your body's faring relative to the force you're producing. So the two bits of information together are very powerful. But getting back to the motor skill development drills, you can't effectively deduce whether you're improving your speed or power output through heart rate because mm-hmm. it, it comes on too slowly. There's a thing called cardiac creep. If I was to run a 200, just go out as hard as I can for 200 meters, odds are I won't see a peak heart rate until after I've stopped running. And it may be a matter of four or five seconds behind my completion of the effort. Where with power output, you can measure your peak velocity relative to power and directional power. So, for example, if I'm able to hit the ground and shove my body into space in the direction I'm hoping to travel, and I'm just going to throw a hypothetical out there, at 250 watts, and then all of a sudden I'm able to produce 300 watts or 400 watts, now i got directional force that is quantifiable for me to determine whether I'm seeing the progress I hope to get out of my training episode. And I've not, to this day, had anybody been able to give me that information so we can effectively look at it. So what I do is I look at pace through GPS. I could see how fast somebody was going, mm-hmm. but I can't really get a sense of how much force they're producing relative to the direction they're traveling. So mm-hmm. this is a game changer is the way I see it. And it, and you might recall back back uh, a few months ago when I was doing an interview with Jim Vance, I talked to him and I also talked to Hunter Allen about the need to be able to create this directional force because unbridled force is of no use to a runner. So mm-hmm. if you've got a lot of vertical oscillation, you're bouncing up and down, but you're pushing a lot of power straight up into the sky – you're opposing gravity, that's of no value to you, right? Mm -hmm. And so my hat's off to you guys for addressing that because I would like to believe that you are probably the only company in the world today right now that's able to effectively provide an athlete with that directional force production as a runner. Am I wrong? Uh, I I don't think you're wrong. Um, As far as I know, we are the only ones doing that at this point in time. You know, and it's it's not an easy thing to do. I mean, you start looking at these the, the way these sensors work, you start to try to deduce horizontal versus vertical power. And and we went through and are still going through many renditions of of of, of how to make this exactly right. Uh, and I know you and I had a few discussions about it, and Jim Vance has coached us along the way. Uh, and we are, you know, right now what we do show is actually the overall power. And, um, and and soon we will show that vertical and horizontal power because there's a clear distinction between the two. I mean, you know, on, on if you look at all the literature out there, it shows that about anyway 15 to 20 percent of your of your power is actual horizontal. The balance of it is is, is vertical. And so we are we are still tweaking that. And as we tweak that, our customers get it for free. Okay. You know, in, anything we do new to this to RPM Square once it's it's in the in the hands or should I say on the feet of my customers, they get it for free. 
Well, I think that it's a big move. It's a very, very critical move because when I do gait analysis for people in my lab here, what I do is I'll measure actual vertical oscillation. How many inches mm-hmm. do they travel in opposition to gravity and how many inches they travel back? If you're bouncing up five, you're coming down five, you're giving away 10 inches worth of vertical oscillation to your running stride, per mm-hmm. stride, that's a tremendous amount of waste. Yeah. And I, yeah. I talked about this many, many times, and I'm, I'm going to share it with you if I haven't shared it with you before. Ryan Hall was measured at about 4.6 inches of vertical oscillation in his stride. And they figured out that when he was running a marathon and competing with these Ethiopians and Kenyans who mm-hmm. don't bounce like that, he was given way over three miles worth of travel to that bounce that, that was wasted energy. And so when you can get a handle on that vertical oscillation and you can mm-hmm. start moving through space more efficiently and make ground contact closer to your center mass, which helps to negate mm-hmm. all this vertical oscillation, you're going to put the work to the road in a favorable direction. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a big deal. And I said it a couple times, but I think it's a really big deal. And I, I'm going to expound on this a little bit because... When you could see force production, by the way, cyclists have been doing this for quite a long time. And I had this conversation with Hunter Allen, who's probably one of the largest authorities on power in training for cycling in the world today. And he told me that they are so bent on power readings with their cycling training that they've gotten away from heart rate altogether. Uh And personally, I think that's a mistake because... There's so many variables that represent the work you do. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you are comparing your heart rate to the force production you're creating, that's a winning formula. So let's just say, for example, that my average run at my anaerobic threshold is 150 beats per minute. So in essence, what happens is anything beyond that, I'm starting to really get expensive in, in my cost. So, in other words, I'm going into my sugar stores really, really hard. Uh-huh. And below that level, I'm sustainable. I can be in a pretty cool place. And what I used to compare heart rate to would be pace. So, for example, let's say that I did a time trial, and my threshold relative to heart rate pace was hypothetically an eight-minute mile. Uh-huh. Now, if I can see that where... 150 beats per minute, which is a cost factor, it's a biological cost factor, is married up against a production factor. So if I'm pushing 300 watts where I used to push 200 watts at the same cost factor, I'm paying wholesale for my work now. Uh I'm no longer a retail buyer. (laughs) I'm moving through space a lot faster at less cost. And I have quantifiable information that's going to tell me that. As Mm -hmm. opposed to just hypothetical variables like I'm running an average of an eight-minute pace. That's not a real good metric because if I could see that there's a constant power flow that's pushing me through space, that's mechanical efficiency. And I tell people all the time that my job is to help people find economy and marry it up with efficiency. And and when you focus on those two traits in your training, wonderful things happen. And so this is just another really clever way 
to gather information that will make a better athlete. Do I sound like I'm excited about this? You do. I'm glad. <laughs> well, I, I do. I'm, I'm I'm a bit of a geek. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I'm a bit of a geek, and I I'm not the kind of guy that you know gets so wrapped up in one particular sport or the other. I look at human performance. I look at what can we do to tweak this this being and get it to function more effectively. Mm-hmm. And so the cool thing about what I do is I'm not stuck in this in this box where I'm dealing with just runners or just triathletes or just cyclists or even just obstacle racing athletes. I deal with a lot of different athletes. And at the end of the day, it really gets back to the, the amount of work we can produce and what it costs us to do it. And that's what keeps me in the game, because otherwise I'd be bored to tears. And being able to quantify these, these metrics, I think it's a great idea. I think it's, I think it's going to be a big deal. So I want to take you down another path, and you might not be comfortable with it, but I'm taking you there anyway. Okay. <laughs> I emailed you the other day, and I told you there's XYZ Shoe Company that is now putting out some um, measuring devices in the insole or in the heel of the shoe. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I was like, "Oh boy, this is kind of kind of buggy." But I want you to try to help me better understand, and my audience better understand, the difference between what it is that we're talking about mm-hmm. and what so far some of these companies are hoping to achieve. Okay. Well, well, first of all, you know, the, the thing that that we have done here with RPM squares is, you know, we built in the two power meters, right? And so we have the cycling power meter and the running power meter. So completely mobile, same thing that uh, you know some of the, the other shoe uh, companies are trying to do. Yet none of them have come out with a power meter yet. And so you know that that's clearly an advantage that I believe we have. The other thing that we do, we have you know we have a micro. Just get a little bit technical here. We have a very complicated microprocessor built into the insert. And this is not your typical, you know, everyday type of use microprocessor. Uh, the company that actually builds this for us, they say, man, your, your microprocessor is, is somewhat similar to what one would expect on a cell phone. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's what's called a six-layer board. It's ball grid array. I mean, you've got probably about 85 to 90 different components built on this, and it's tiny. And it's the brains that makes everything work. And we're able to, between that and the fact that we have a 220 milliamp battery built into the inserts that's, that's completely wirelessly rechargeable, you just set the insert on a charger, we are able to provide enough energy to be able to, to sample at such a high rate, where I'm talking about 1,000 times per second, we're taking a snapshot. And by doing so, we're able to get about as granular as you can possibly get to take a look at this data. I mean, you think about if you're looking at step time, ground contact time, and flight time, you know, uh, in milliseconds. And what I've seen with some of the other companies, I, you know, I don't like to disparage other companies because I think there's a lot of really cool wearable stuff coming out to include some of these inserts that are coming out. But, but they, are, they are different because they're, they're, they're not sampling at the rate that we're sampling. They don't have the power meters. They aren't necessarily using a combination of force uh, and accelerometry so, so we can accurately measure the X, Y, Z, and force, and we put it all together to give you the data that you can, you know, have discernible data and you can make judgments on them. All right, so at the end of the day, if I'm gathering this, what they're doing 
is basically telling you what your stride frequency might be. Uh, they're possibly telling you what part of the foot is making contact with the ground first. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, there's not that much going on, right? Uh, the, to my knowledge, that's correct. All right. Well, I just wanted to be clear because, you know, everybody's looking to to uh, be able to get something that's got a tremendous amount of value for a very little price. And I mean that's the American dream, right? We want to we want to get we want to get all the cool toys, and we want to get it for wholesale. And sure. at, at the end of the day, it's just not it doesn't work. I mean, this is like people call me and they say, "Well, you know, uh, I'd like to blah 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 with you," and you know, and then I I I break it to them that I'm not the fifteen dollar trainer that they got down the street. Mm -hmm. um, and if that works for them, that's great. But at the end of the day, they come to me when things are important. When, when it comes down to the difference between being injured or not being injured or being on a podium or not being on a podium, you know, that's kind of what we're talking about here. It's, it's a whole different ball of wax, really, to speak of, as opposed to a cute little toy that they put in a shoe that, mind you, you know how it works. Technology being what it is today, it's moving along. I mean, yeah. it, the, the cost factors on things are going to come down and... Mm -hmm. The technology is going to improve, but you're so far ahead of them right now. The same thing pertains to you. As as things evolve for you, you're two, three, four, five steps ahead of them anyway, right? I, I think so. Yeah. Well, don't be shy. You can say. <laughs> <laughs> you can say it. <laughs> we are. Yeah, we are. Uh, from a clinical side of things, on the healthcare, we are miles ahead of anybody else. And I, I believe we're pretty far ahead in this space as well as far as sports performance. Well, you've got FDA approval on your products, right? I do. And, and we're, we're probably going to start the, their class one devices. And uh, we uh, right now we're doing, uh, we're negotiating with some major institutions to do uh, some three or four month studies uh, because the healthcare legislation has changed uh, what's called bundling and Hospitals now are basically going to be on the hook for all types of leg injuries and or surgeries, and they need to find economies as best they can, and, and we offer that with with our with our healthcare device. Cool. And I might say that you know Richard, since we brought it up, you know the the, the way we manufacture um, RPM Square, um, it's identical to the way we manufacture our healthcare product. And I and I always like to say that because. You know, when, when you're working with the FDA, you have to have everything built out, SOPs built, all the quality controls. We have verified and validated not only our manufacturing processes, but everything that we've done. And, and so when, when a person gets a pair of RPM square inserts, they meet FDA quality standards. And the difference between the two is the app and how we make it work through the smart device. Where you know the, the 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 provider is in control of everything um, for the patient, and the patient just has to turn on the app, listen to what it tells them, and they do their exercises. It's 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 just crystal clear. But with RPM Square, we give the power to the athlete and/or the coach to determine what do they want to do. You want to run 100 meters today? You want to run 3,000 meters? You want to go up for a long distance ride or run? Do you want to do you know sprint modes, interval training? All that power is in the hands of the the athlete with RPM Square, you know. So they they can do so many things with it, and and try to meet the training needs that they have to 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 get better. Quite frankly. Well, I think you know, getting back to the basics in respect to 
the people that I deal with. Mm-hmm. Let me give you a kind of a day-to-day scenario. Someone comes to see me, and we do a gait analysis. I put them up on a treadmill. I look at the way they're moving. I take uh, video and punch it into my software from various angles. Mm-hmm. And then after we've done that, we do a VO2 max test. So I can measure the cost of the work. And the VO2 max is a gold standard in determining fitness and or identifying metabolic cost of work. Mm-hmm. So those are the two things that I really focus on. I want to look at the way people move and what it costs them to move. And once we figure this out, I'm able to do a pretty good job of helping them to make corrections with the way they move and mm-hmm. help them write a program in where they can manipulate their metabolic structures so that they become more efficient from a standpoint of accessing fat stores as opposed to sugar stores, which is a hard mm-hmm. run in endurance mm-hmm. sport, by the way. So... To be able to add one more metric to the fray is a big deal. It's a big deal for me, but it's a big deal for my clients if they understand exactly what we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. So generally, the first thing I ask people to do after I've tested them and after we've done the gate work is I have them do a field test where Mm -hmm. I may suggest to them that they're going to run a mile and we have some restraints. I want them to stay at a cadence of 180 strides per minute. I want them to be sure and uh, refrain from creating any overstride, that they make contact off their midfoot, and that they time themselves and guard their heart rate to Mm -hmm. the prescribed heart rate. So, for example, if I say I want you to run this time trial at 150 beats per minute, um, then I want to know what the yield is. I want to know how long it takes you to cover the distance with these restraints. You're keeping your heart rate where I want it, and I'm keeping you uh, on tabs with your cadence, and I'm keeping Mm -hmm. you in a good running mechanic form. Mm -hmm. Now, what I would do is I would prescribe exercise and and give them some recommendations on how they should approach the next four or five weeks, and then we'll quantify the progress. We're going to go back and we're going to look to see Mm -hmm. whether, after having done all the things I recommended to them, where there's any progress. And the progress is measured through the finish time on the time trial. So mm-hmm. if you recreate the circumstance and you run another mile at that that given heart rate, doing the things you did the first time, what I'm hoping is you're able to produce a greater finish time or a better finish time than you did the first time. Mm-hmm. Now, if I was able to also show that, well, didn't change the heart rate, my pace dropped, and my force production improved, I'm actually pushing harder through the ground, My stride length is improved. I'm covering more ground at the same frequency Mm -hmm. and at a lower cost of work or the same cost of work, but I'm producing more force. Right. Now you've got some really interesting stuff to look at. You can really start to see that, in fact, you're on the right page with your training. You know, know, Richard, it's interesting you you talk about that. Um, A while back, I was... um, I had the, the pleasure of attending uh, up in Colorado, Miranda Carfrey's uh, triathlon training camp. And while while I was there, um, Bobby McGee was there. You know, everybody knows Bobby McGee. And now I, I want to qualify this. Um, I, I was not there working with Bobby McGee, but I did have the pleasure of being at his station. And, and this is what was really cool, what I saw. And this is why I'm such a proponent of, of the coach. And I mentioned that earlier is – 
he took a bunch of athletes there. And, and the first thing we did was they, we, we actually put them on RPM square and they did a 200 meter run. We captured that data. Okay. And then um, throughout the course of the week, they would go through the body McGee station and he coached them in a, um, in a, a class environment, right outside, teaching them how proper mechanics, this, that, and the other. Uh, and, and then when he was done with that, you know, he, he had them run a 200 meter, he filmed them, and then he coached them individually. And he told them what they were doing right and what they were doing wrong. And then they, they actually came back to us. We put the uh, RPM square back on them, and they ran uh, the, the, the 200 meter. And it was absolutely crystal clear the things that Bobby told them to do. And when they changed that, how much more efficient they, they became. I remember one guy from Chicago, uh, you know, kind of a, a big guy. And I mean, his, his power output was just, I mean, it, at the time it really wasn't power. We were looking at the acceleration force, but it was just incredible. It was, it was just a very, very high number. And, and, you know, and, and Bobby said, there's no way you could ever, you, you'd be able to run, you know, and, and a marathon, for example, and finish. And so after he, he was coached by Bobby, we could see this power come down. He started uh, midfoot striking. And I remember Bobby looked at him and said, now you can go out and run that endurance, that endurance run. And, you know, that it really struck me at that point in time because I, I sat there and I looked at all of this data and I thought, my gosh, I, I certainly hope that all these athletes out there have the benefit, you know, of a good coach. The same thing that you're doing with all your athletes. And that's why, you know, with RPM Square, we have made sure that, you know, everything that, that is gleaned from RPM Square, either through straight, almost like a PDF file, can be clicked and sent straight to the coach, or you can load it up to Training Peak, Strava, Cheetah, whatever you want to do. But to us, Richard, it is very, very important. It's kind of like the doctor or the healthcare provider taking care of a patient. I see it the same way with, with, uh, with, with sports performance. And I think those who have the benefit of a great coach are those that are going to achieve higher performance and mitigate injuries. I feel very strongly about that, if you can't tell. <laughs> well, and obviously I feel that way myself because that's yeah. how I make my living. Absolutely. Uh, but Absolutely. i got to tell you, I every day, every day that I go onto my computer um, and check my email or look at social media, mm-hmm. I tend to see between one and two testimonials from someone that I've met somewhere along the road, and they were coming back to me saying, dude, you can't believe what I just did. It's, mm-hmm. like, it's my favorite thing to say. So, dude, you can't believe what I just did. Where they are now looking at the progress with their training as opposed to just going out there and randomly throwing out the, and hoping it's all going to shake out for them. They're yeah. looking at the metrics. They're starting to look at whether they're able to produce more and more work relative to the similar heart rates and such. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I got a fellow, by the way, that I work with, um, and I talk about him a lot because he's part of my posse, uh, Nicodemus Holland, who is a world-class ultramarathoner. And this guy runs 100 miles like you and I might go out and run two or three. Mm-hmm. But he just dropped me a message uh, two, three days ago where when we initially got together and started working on his gait, and did a VO2 on him and prescribed some work for him. Mm-hmm. Um, his aerobic threshold performance was about a 9.30 pace. Now mm-hmm. this, is, this is staying aerobic. And now he's saying that within the same heart rate, he's producing a 6.40 pace. And he says, I can do this endlessly. 
Now, when someone would say something like that to you, you would think endlessly might mean for eight or nine miles. Mm-hmm. But coming from him, when he says endlessly, you got to ask yourself what he's talking about because endlessly for him is in the neighborhood of a couple hundred miles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this this dude ran 205 miles through four of the steepest mountain ranges in the Alps with an 80,000 foot of elevation gain, ran 76 straight hours. Uh, only American ever to podium in that event. It's called a Tour de Giants. And so when he tells me that he could do something endlessly, it makes me think, right? But at the end of the day, what it comes down to was that he was paying attention to mm-hmm. how things were shaking out and being very focused on how he's training and very focused on the way he's making contact with the ground, what mm-hmm. the cost of work is. So yeah. aside from having someone to explain this to him, as a coach might, it's also just really cool to be able to gather this information and be able to do it on your own. You know, Absolutely. Especially when you start to know what you're looking at. Then you can start to discern whether, in fact, you're doing the right things, you're doing the wrong things, getting better, getting worse, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and there's a lot of guys out there that, that can do that. You know, they can look at the step time and ground contact time and understand that they're not sinking into their run and, you know, they're generating the right amount of power. And, and, and uh, we, we just hope to put, a, you know, this tool in their hands or should I say on their feet to be able to do that. Right. Well, you know, they, they can track this over time and send it to you as, as uh, you know, as needed. And you can continue to monitor your, your, your athletes from wherever they might be. Right. Well, I got to tell you. Uh, in the last, I have told you, but in the, in the last uh, year, my almost entire focus has been working with obstacle racing athletes. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about obstacle racing is a couple things. First of all, these are the most motivated athletes I've ever seen in my life. And I'm talking about they cannot get enough of what they're doing. Uh, I'll give you an example. You may decide, I'm going to run a marathon. And you'll spend maybe 22 weeks preparing for that event. And when that event's over, you may scuttle running for a few weeks and lick your wounds and maybe start talking about whether you're going to do it again next year. You might even register for a couple of lesser events down the road. But the folks that are doing these obstacle racing events are typically going into a weekend where they might race three times in the weekend. They may do a long course event on one day, a sprint the next morning, and a middle distance event that afternoon. So they might race three times in that weekend, and if there's another race somewhere close by the following week, they're going to do it again. And collectively, the amount of work they're doing in any of these given events is far and away more difficult, more challenging then the old school, I'm going to get it up and prepare for a marathon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It blows my mind. And quite frankly, I'm not terribly sure I'm convinced that it's a good idea. But that's how, how motivated they are by this sport. And then the professionals that are in it, and I've talked to most all of them. I mean, literally, I've talked to most all of the best athletes in the sport in the world. I've interviewed them. And some of them are close friends of mine at this point. And collectively, they all tell me that the most critical element in their training is their efficiency with the way they run. 
And I've, I've sat back and watched one of these obstacle races recently. I was with Hunter McIntyre at an event the other day that he, he crushed, incidentally. He, he beat the, the nearest competitor by over three and a half minutes. So I'm standing by a rig, a rig meaning that here's, here's where it's like monkey bars. You've got to go from uh, handle to handle to bar to, to all these different variations of grip strength efforts that you have to go hand over hand till you get across this rig. You can't let your feet touch yep. the ground. Okay, uh-huh. so think horizontal ladder on steroids. All right? I counted how long it took to get across one of these rigs. And on average, between 10 and 12 to 15 seconds is what it takes to get across the rig, depending on how big or how complex it is. Uh-huh. And then you've got to run. So you've got a, an obstacle that takes you 10 or 15 seconds, and then you have to run potentially a mile, maybe longer. So look at the time issues. So there might be 30 obstacles in a race, mm-hmm. and so you're looking at 30 times about 10 seconds, maybe collectively, let's just say um, five minutes worth, sure. worth of uh, obstacles you have to deal with. And then the rest of it is the hour and a half of running you have to do. Mm-hmm. So this is why... Quite frankly, I've become so popular with these guys is because they identify that in order for them to win these races, they have got to get between these obstacles as fast as possible and not fatigue. Right. So I'm telling you, this is a type of tool that these guys are all about. So we suggested this before, me and Yancey Culp. Yancey Culp's probably one of the most recognized OCR coaches in the world today. He said... Give up a couple races in order to invest in yourself, invest in your training. You're going to get through it, right? So uh, let's say a, a given race is going to cost you 150 bucks, And then the time and travel and hotel room and all the other minutiae you got to go through in order to get to the event, all that investment for that one weekend worth of rah-rah. Yeah. If you took that money from that one event that you were going to participate in, and invested it in your training, invested potentially in a device that's going to help you to become more effective with your training, potentially mitigate all the potential injuries that you've been facing, it's mm-hmm. a really, really smart and good investment. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I didn't think you'd argue with me there. <laughs> so let's do this, Johnny. How can we make it easy, but not too easy, for someone to procure... Uh, a pair of these insoles. And obviously enough, they would learn more about it by going to your website, which is rpm2.com, rpmsquare.com. That's right. But you guys got a Facebook page, don't you? Yes, we do. And that would be RPM Square on Facebook, right? That's right. So it would be RPM2, right? Yes. On Facebook. So That's correct. how can we stimulate people to like your page, visit your site, give you a little kudos for the work you've done, and then potentially stimulate them to actually own a, a pair of these insoles. Well, I'll tell you what. You know, they can they can go to our Facebook page or to our website, and if they have any questions, they can shoot us an inquiry, and, and a lot of those will come to either myself or Keith Hill, and, and we handle them personally right now, and that's the beauty of a, of a startup company. But I'll tell you what I'll do, Richard. Um, you and I have such a great relationship, and I can't, um, I can't tell you how much I appreciate and how much I've learned from you. Why don't we do this? If they go to our Facebook page, 
or if they go to our website and say, I am a friend of Richard Diaz, how about if I give them $100 off the price? Well, that's pretty generous. I think, yeah, that's, I'm, I think I'm, that's really generous. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to do it, you know, because I, I, I'm excited. I mean, I, I think we've come up with the with a really not just a cool product, but I, I, I firmly believe it's the right product to help athletes achieve higher performance. And, and, and that, so that, that, that injury mitigation is huge to me. And, and I want, I'm ready to really introduce RPM Square to the world. And what better way to do that than starting with you and letting your fan base have $100 off? All they have to do is say, I am a friend of Richard Diaz, either on my website or Facebook, and I'll take care of it. I will send them a code um, when I hear from them, and there you go. It's that easy. It's pretty easy. That's pretty darn easy. So, Johnny, are you running or doing anything yourself these days? Well, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I, I don't come from the running world, as you know. I mean, I, I played baseball, pitched baseball collegiately, and went down to Mexico and played a little bit. After that, I got into powerlifting. Uh, but I've always liked to run. Um, since I had this knee surgery, which, as you know, caused me to invent RPM Square and our healthcare device, um, I don't do quite as much running. Uh, I still do some, but I've really gotten into the biking aspect of it now, and I'm. I'm I'm still a novice, believe it or not, but I am. I'm starting to ride more and more, and um, we'll see. I'm, I may uh, have a little bit of work to do on my knee, and after that's done, I may start running again. Are you on a road bike? I am. Okay, what kind of bike you ride? I I just got a specialized. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And uh, I, I do a lot of riding out in West Texas, where our facility is, and the roads are kind of rough out there. So. Uh, you know, this this particular bike, it's the Diverge. It's not a it's it's not their top of the line bike, but it's a great bike for me. And um, you know, I've already logged in a lot of miles. I'm getting where I can do 20 and 30 miles at a time, which is nothing compared to a lot of these guys. But for a 52 year old guy with a, a halfway bum, don't knee, start on me. Doing don't, okay. don't start on me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm older than everybody in the world these days. And when somebody starts talking to me about, oh, well, I'm doing pretty good for my age, uh, you know what? Talk to the hand. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm done hearing it. Look, I hear you. Look, Johnny, so uh, you and I need to get together and share a steak and a nice bottle of red and irritate some more people in a restaurant <laughs> because I'm so loud. I tell you, that was a that was a great time. I tell you, I, I've told more people that story, like you know, because I'm I'm pretty loud myself. I'm like, oh boy, that must have been very interesting. I said it was. It was fun. <laughs> well, it's enthusiasm. You know what I mean? We have Absolutely. enthusiasm. If you're not passionate about what you do, don't do it. That's right. If you're talking about work, and you're raising your voice because you enjoy what you're doing, as opposed to bitching about what you've been doing. Yep. You know what's wrong with that? There's, that's right. I Somebody hear you. got offended by that. They can. They can. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? I hear you. <laughs> but I will. I, I need to come back out that way and get out of Texas. You know the weather's great right here right now. But uh, I'll be heading back out to California pretty soon, and I'll uh, definitely look you up. We're, I want to come back to Texas. Well, hey, you tell me when you're here, and I'll, I'll come see you wherever I'll tell you are. You right now, I got clients in Dallas. I got clients in Houston. I got clients in San Antonio. Okay. And of course, I've got I got some people in Austin, and I loved Austin. Have you been to Austin? I go to Austin a lot. Austin's Absolutely. a great town. 
Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Oh, I had it a lot really of fun is. there. I had a had a great clinic there, and you know, as I told you, I'm on my way to Baton Rouge this weekend. We're doing a clinic uh, in Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, you know, I know that most of these people that I'm gonna see this weekend probably have listened to this, and they're gonna be asking me questions about this as well. I'm gonna tell them to go to your Facebook page, your website, and tell them they knew me, and let's see what happens. Okay. Uh, by the way, I'm also going to be in Temecula, which happens to be wine country, south mm-hmm. south of, uh, I think it's uh, south or east of, of San Diego, I'm doing mm-hmm. a clinic on the 12th and 13th of March. Yeah. And then we're heading to Las Vegas. We got, we're doing a clinic in Las Vegas. So I'm on the road, dude. I'm on the road. You doing are. Thing. And uh, anyway, so Johnny, thanks a lot for coming on the show with me. Uh, I'm not going to wear people out any longer. Check out RPM Squared, folks. Uh, I give it my seal of approval. If you have any questions about it personally, you can always reach out to me, and I'd be happy to talk to you as best I can about it. And, Johnny, you have an amazing day. Thank you, Richard. I appreciate your time. Appreciate it. No worries. Well, friends, it's time to bring another show to a close. Be sure and tune in to us next week. We've got a lot of great content in store for you. I want you to tell your friends to check us out. You can always find us on Facebook. Simply go search the Natural Running Network, drop us a message. I'd love to learn more about you and the things you do. And until then, you have an amazing day.